0: Thank you ladies, that was beautiful, just beautiful What a name, the name of Jesus, amen What a name, speak that name, sing that name Thank you ladies, beautiful And thank you um, Brother Wayne and Deacons for those kind words And uh, we appreciate the love the church gives back to us on behalf of the staff I will say thank you and, and uh, thank you for always loving us. We appreciate that more than you know. Well, turning your Bibles to John chapter 21. We're coming to the end of our study, verse-by-verse study, through the book of John, the Gospel of John. So we're going to cover verses 18 through 25. We'll read in just a moment, starting in verse Am I off? Okay, doing okay? Alright, good. Am I on this one or this one? This one. Thank you. Uh, So, you remember John, of course, writes this book late in life. He's in his 90s. It's been 60 years since the cross. The other Gospels were written about 30 years earlier. And uh, John then writes his Gospel. The great theme is the deity of Christ, that he was God from the very beginning. And then he became, in his incarnation, he became God in human flesh. And, of course, paid for our sins on the cross. Now, in this epilogue, or this last chapter in John, He seemed, John seems to be answering some questions and uh let's look at those questions just for a second here if you look up at your screen questions asked are answered will jesus continue to provide for his own and remember he answered that in the the catch of fish which was worth a lot of money so the disciples could pay their bills and feed their families and then he had a food on the fire for them will Peter continued to serve and lead yes he's been in this passage he 's reinstated to to his apostleship and leadership among the apostles and and then <coughs> excuse me, what about the future and he 's going to talk about that today in our text and and then he answers the question: was John going to live until Jesus came back there was the rumor, and, and a lot of people believe that Jesus was going to come back before John died. And so uh, he clears that up for us. And then why were other things that Jesus did not recorded by John or the other writers for that matter? He touches on that as well. And then here's the object lessons again from this chapter. All of them this time. The catch of fish is an object lesson about fishing and evangelism. The feast at the fire is an object lesson about feasting or drawing our strength, feeding on Christ. And then the, uh, when Jesus questions Peter, that's an that's a, uh, object lesson on feeding others with God's word. And then the last one, Jesus speaks about the future that is, uh, that is coming. He calls us to follow him. So he speaks about fishing, feasting, feeding, and following. With that said, now look back at your text. Let's pick it up in verse 17. That's the verse we closed with last week. Verse 17, He, Jesus, saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him, the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things; thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Then Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, to thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, or you dress yourself, and walkest whether thou wouldest. In other words, you went where you wanted to go. Uh, but when thou shalt be old, and shalt, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whether thou wantest not. Take you to a place where you don't want to go. Verse 19. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for the beautiful singing. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can say your name, speak your name, sing about your name. Thank you for your great love for us. Speak to us now through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Ken Hughes tells a story in one of his books. That he says, and I quote now, comes from the annals of ancient Mideastern history. And he tells a story about Cyrus, the emperor. He was the conqueror of the known world, including Babylon. And was, of course, uh, exalted as the great king or emperor of the known world. The story is told that one of his general's wives was accused of treason. So she was brought before a very very formal and great uh, court hearing with Cyrus there and the other uh, leaders of this great empire. She was tried and found guilty and then sentenced to death. After the sentence, the general made his way towards the throne of Silas. And he said, King Cyrus, please let me take her place. Please take me and execute me in her place. As the story goes, Cyrus was in awe of what was transpiring before him. And he said to the court, and I quote, Can we terminate a love as great as this? So in a quick decision, he paroled the woman and gave her back to her husband. As the couple was leaving the court, the general said to his wife, did you see the benevolent look in King Cyrus' eyes when he pardoned you? She responded, I only had eyes for the one who loved me enough he was willing to die for me. That's a dim... Illustration Of Christ's love For us For he wasn't just willing He went to the cross And died for us That was the face That Peter was looking into The eyes That Peter was looking into When Jesus said Do you love me Peter? Three times Then feed my sheep Serve me loving Jesus. Someone introduced the great missionary Hudson Taylor who formed the China Inland Mission and served as a missionary for many, many years and recruited hundreds and hundreds of missionaries. Someone introduced him one time and they said he has spent his whole life in China because he loved the Chinese. Hudson Taylor smiled and answered thoughtfully, and he said, No, not because I love the Chinese, but because I love the Lord Jesus. It's a good thing to love people, and if you're helping people, it's a good thing to love people. But the thing that moves us, the thing that, as Paul would say, the thing that compels us and drives us into service is the love of Christ. Loving him and serving him because we love him. And so Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Then serve me. And then, now I think Peter was probably forgiven of his three offenses on the day of the resurrection. If you remembered, Jesus met with Peter privately. During the day of the resurrection, before he met with the group of disciples that evening. And, uh, but here he was restored to the place of service and to his place among the apostles uh, and his place of leadership. Now, don't you know Peter's heart was rejoicing? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And he was happy and rejoicing. And then Jesus says, and this is the way you're going to (laughs) die. He kind of uh, takes the air out of the balloon, or at least it seems that way to me. You're talking about serving, but you're going to glorify God by the way you die. So in verse 18, he says, when you're young, you can... Go where you want to and dress yourself. Do what you want to do. But when you get old, somebody else is going to tell you what you can wear and what you can't wear. And somebody else is going to tell you where you can go and where you can't go. And, and then take you to a place apparently of death that you don't want. Now, some people have seen in this simply growing old. And there's a lot of truth to that. You know, when we're young, we do what we want to do and take care of ourselves. But sometimes when we get older, we need somebody to help us. Even help us dress sometimes. And we can glorify God by that kind of death as well. But this term, stretch forth your hands, all of the early church fathers identified this term as referring to crucifixion. Peter, you're going to stretch forth your hands and they're going to take you to a place you don't want to go to. A reference to crucifixion. Peter lived another 34 years after this preaching, teaching, evangelizing, feeding the sheep, writing two epistles that were included in the Word of God. and But the whole time hanging over his head was this prophecy that Jesus gave of his future death. And so he says... This is the way you're going to glorify God through this death. Eusebius was considered the father of church history. He died in 339, so he was born about the mid-200s after the death of Christ, so 150 years. 200 years after Christ, he lived. He, in his writings, he described the way Peter died. But also, Clement, who was one of the early church fathers, also wrote about how Peter died. And he was alive during the time of Christ. He would have been about 10, 12, something like that, during Christ's ministry. He later became a, a bishop, a pastor, a pastor. And, uh, and a writer. He also told... I'm coming in now. out, aren't I? He also told about Peter's death. This is what they said. It happened in 67 AD. He was arrested and put in prison so he couldn't go where he wanted to go, couldn't wear what he wanted to wear, And he was in prison. He was sentenced to death for preaching the gospel under Nero. And uh, he requested that he would be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified like his Lord. Isn't that remarkable? So according to these historians, they crucified him upside down and stretched out his hands in crucifixion. It is remarkable. And he glorified God in that that death. We come to the next verse verse 20 well look at verse 19 again this he of the death and then he said follow me the verb tense there means keep following me keep on following me Peter that's the key verse 20 says then Peter turning around seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following that would be John of course the writer of this gospel And uh, which also leaned on Jesus' uh, breast at supper. So he went back to the the evening before the cross. If you remember the story, Peter said from across the table, he said, Ask him who it is that will betray him. And John was at the right hand of Jesus, apparently. That was the place of honor. So he could just lean over towards Jesus chest and say whisper who was it that's the description that's given to us quickly here he leaned on his breast at supper and said Lord who is it that betrayeth thee we saw let's just turn this one on gentlemen that's distracting Uh, so he saw Peter following and then look at verse 21 Peter seeth him, Peter seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Now, you and I might have thought it, but Peter said it. Okay, you told me something bad that's going to happen to me. What about John? Is something bad going to happen to John? Is he going to have to suffer suffer and, and be put to death? What about John? Many scholars wonder if there was a a little bit of human envy for John. John was the one who sat at the right hand of Jesus. That was the place of honor. Peter was the one who was kind of the leader of the group, but he might have been envious that John seemed so close to the Lord Jesus. Are you going to favor him? Is he going to have to die? That's the thought. you again you and I might think that but uh, Peter thought it and said it what about this man is he gonna have to die now some people some scholars think that possibly Peter was being sincere and out of a sincere concern for John asked the question But I think that's unlikely because Jesus rebukes him in the next verse. And uh, some, uh, well, for instance, John Phillips says it was a strong rebuke. And uh, so he wouldn't have rebuked him over being concerned for John. He would rebuke him because he was being envious of John. Look at the next verse. Jesus saith unto him, If I will, if I decide that he tarry or that he live till I come back, what is that to thee? What business is that of yours? In our everyday language today, we might interpret it like this. That's none of your business. Peter, none of your business. What I do with John, he's my servant. And if I let him live till I come back again, Uh, that'll be okay, because I'm the sovereign one. And so he rebukes Peter, and then he reiterates in the last part of verse 22, follow thou me. That's what you need to be thinking about, not John. You need to be thinking about you following me and being sure that you are right and uh, being sure you're doing what glorifies God. I think it's pretty easy to feel that way sometimes. Isn't it? Among God's people, sometimes we look at fellow Christians and we maybe even subconsciously are envious of them because I'm living right too. I'm, I'm giving and I'm serving and I'm following the Lord and look look at everything they've got. And look at what little I have sometimes we Feel cheated because we see others who had have more money bigger houses better health I Know sometimes God's people who are going through terrible health problems look around and see somebody the same age or even older than them Who are healthy? And they ask why me every now and then that question comes up when I'm counseling or talking with people Why did this happen to me? Why did the Lord let this happen to me? Better health. Sometimes people may be envious because someone has a better marriage or a better job or a longer life. Jesus says, what is that to you? What business of that is that to you? You follow me. That's what you need to think about. Concentrate on following me in the midst of your difficulty or your problems or your poverty or your disappointments in life. Follow me. And so he rebukes Peter and says again, follow me in verse 22. Now back up to verse 19 uh, 19 again. And look at the little phrase in there about dying. This is the death whereby ye shall glorify God. Glorify God in your death. The uh, Westminster Catechism, the short version of it, says that I quote, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. According to that doctrinal statement, that's the chief purpose of man, to glorify God and to enjoy God and to do so forever. Glorify the Lord. And so he says of Peter, you're going to glorify God in your death. So God's glory ought to be our, our purpose, whatever is happening in our life. Instead of being envious, let's concentrate on following Him and glorifying Him. So if you live a long life, glorify Him in that long life. If you die young, glorify Him through that sickness and death. If you have plenty, glorify Him for His blessings upon you. If you have difficulties in life and hardships, glorify Him through the midst of it because he's big enough to take care of you, and, and the world needs to see that. So whatever's going on in our lives, glorify him. In the hardships, financial problems and difficulties, health and sickness. Look at your screen again. I want to jump ahead to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. That's the last recorded writings of Peter. Look at it up here. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. I imagine that Peter remembered Jesus' words when he was inspired to write this down. To him be glory. Peter wrote this in... Uh, 66 AD his last recorded words to him be glory and then before the year was out he was crucified upside down whatever we do do it to God's glory and then if you condense that down to just the last part and add Paul's writing to it Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Live that way. Let that be our goal and our aim, whatever we go through. He, the Lord has a different will for each of us, a different plan. Some people have good health and some people have difficulty with health. Some people have plenty of money. Other people have... People have barely enough to pay their bills. Whatever state we are in, glorify him. To him be glory. Denya Haymore, you remember her husband Daryl. Darrell used to say about everything, to God be the glory. He had ALS. He died from ALS, and for two years. After it got bad, then you had to take care of him 24-7. But he would still say, to God be the glory. Whatever you're going through, to God be the glory. And then, let's turn back and look at those next verses now. We're down to verse 23 now. Then went, then went this saying abroad or spread out among the brethren, among the saved folks, that the disciple should not die, or that John, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus did not say unto him, he shall not die, but he said, if I will, that he tarry till I come. What is that to thee? So now now he's correcting that rumor that had spread abroad funny how rumors do that i mean we've got social media we i mean you can spread rumors all over the world now but even back then they spread this rumor that jesus was coming back before john died and of course he didn't but and jesus obviously didn't say that i want you to notice the lord's sovereignty again i'm gonna remind you that John started his gospel by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, with God the Father, and the Word was God, God the Son. From all eternity, Jesus was and is God, God the Son. That was the great theme of John. Now, you see Jesus' deity and sovereignty in these verses without it actually being the main part of the verses, but you see that he knew how Peter would die 34 years later. He knew that without a doubt. Not only that, he's the one who chooses our paths. That path was gonna be Peter's path, but John's path, Jesus said, I could let him live till I come back that was his divine sovereign choice so we see from beginning to end the deity of Christ that he was God so he corrects the rumor that uh, Jesus was going to come back before John died by the way Verse 22 is the last recorded words of Jesus by the Apostle John, and they're about him coming back. (laughs) He is coming back, amen? And, uh, but not before John died. Verse 24, this is the disciple which testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. The word testify could be in his. And is translated witness. Testify of something, witness of something. They're synonyms. Both good translations of the Greek word. Used 47 times in the Gospel of John. That was one of those key sub-themes of John. Was witness. Jesus witnessed the truth. Now John's witnessing the truth. And you and I are supposed to witness the truth. So he says these things are true notice he says uh, halfway through the verse 24 we know that his testimony is true wasn't just john himself but he's speaking on behalf of the all the apostles And all the people who were eyewitnesses of the resurrection and the resurrected Christ and so forth. He's saying 60 years later, these things are not legends, these things are true. We witnessed them, I witnessed them. And so did my colleagues. And then in verse 25, and there are also many other things that Jesus did. The which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. First reading, it almost sounds like an exaggeration. The world's not big enough for the books. Think about Jesus' ministry in life. We've got thirty-five recorded miracles of healing by uh, by the four gospel writers, and we're given details about those. But but many other times we're told he healed everybody that was there that day, or he healed everybody in that group, or he healed uh, the whole uh, the whole group of sick folks, and term, terminology like that. So. It wasn't that he just healed 35 people. He may have healed hundreds or thousands of people. All of those things could have been written down in detail. But if you wrote his whole life, 33 years, it would take 33 years to read those books (laughs) if you had written about every minute of his life. Do you know it takes eight and a half hours to read the four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John eight-and-a-half hours that's all that's written about him but even if every second of his life was written about it still wouldn't be so big the world couldn't contain the books but remember he was who he was before he came in his incarnation so to tell everything about him would have to be able to all those thousands of years before he came when he intervened in the lives of men and women and boys and girls all around the world. Because he is God himself and has had a hand in all the annals of human history. Now if all of that was written about, I suppose the world could not hold all the books. Now let me give you a quick summary of things we learned from this great chapter. Look back at your screen for a moment. Important principles. For the church, evangelism is a priority. Fishing. Fishing for men, remember. For the church, feeding the sheep is a priority. And uh, without Christ, we can do nothing. Those professional fishermen, they couldn't catch one fish all night. But when they did what Jesus said, they caught... A net full, 153 fish. We can trust the Lord for strength. Just like, just like eating food gives strength to the body, we draw our strength for our soul from Christ himself, who is the bread of life. There was, a, of course, a feast on the fire. And then love for Jesus is the great motive of serving Christ. Those are the things we, we looked at in the last two weeks. And then t- this morning... Follow me is the great call to all believers. Don't compare yourself. Paul said it was unwise to compare yourself with others. Don't be envious that somebody else has better health than you or or, uh, is doing better financially. Don't be envious. Just follow Jesus. That's the great call to every one of us. Wherever we are in the seasons of life, Jesus says, follow me. And then one more, and that is glorifying God or Christ. Remember when when Peter wrote his last written words just before he was crucified, Peter talked about glorifying Christ, the Lord Jesus, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Glorifying God, glorifying Christ is the main purpose of all mankind. Let's put that out front in our thinking and in our lives. beautiful scene here on the uh, Sea of Galilee on the shore on the sand of Jesus and his disciples it may have looked something like this let's watch the little video
1: you know everything That I love you. Take care of my sheep. I am telling you the truth. When you were young, you used to get ready and go anywhere you wanted to. But when you are old. You will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you up and take you where you don't want to go in saying this Jesus was indicating the way in which Peter would die and bring glory to God then Jesus said to him follow me Peter turned around and saw behind him that other disciple whom Jesus loved the one who had leaned close to Jesus at the meal and had asked, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about this man? If I want him to live until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So a report spread among the followers of Jesus that this disciple would not die, but Jesus did not say he would not die he said if I want him to live until I come what is that to you he is the disciple who spoke of these things the one who also wrote them down and we know that what he said is true now there are many other things that Jesus did if they were all written down one by one I suppose that the whole world could not hold the books that would be written
0: Stand with me, please, let's bow our heads for just a minute. Right where you are with heads bowed, listen, listen closely to the Lord in your soul. Hear him say, do you love me? Do you love me more than all the other things in life? Do you love me? Then serve me. Do you love me? Follow me. I may lead you through difficult times. I may lead you into hardships. But follow me. And glorify God. Say back to him right now in your heart. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord. I'll serve you. Yes, Lord. I'll follow you. Let's sing this invitation hymn together. Words are on the screen. If you'd like to come for prayer, we invite you to come.